Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. If you've missed the last two or three weeks of messages, please go to our YouTube channel and catch up. Uh, but today we're going to bring a close to this series called Build Your Church. And really the, the whole series is based on the promise that Jesus gave us in Matthew where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so last week we spent a lot of time on this idea of, well, we are the living stones and if Jesus is building his church... And the church is not brick and mortar, but brick and mortar is a place where the church gathers. You and I are the church. And therefore, Jesus' desire is to build you up. Amen? So that's what we spoke about last week. Now, I do need to say as we pray that prayer, Lord, build me up. um, We have to also be careful because... We can kind of adopt a mindset, if we're not careful, of, well, then everything depends on me. I need to be strong because Jesus is building me up and I got to carry the weight of, of the ministry. I got to carry the outcome, the weight of the outcome of the ministry. And we could be wrong to begin to adopt this mentality. And I say it with a small s, like a savior complex. Like, like it all depends on me. And, and truthfully, when I was a little younger in the ministry, there were moments, I remember Brother Ola, one, one week called me and he goes, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, I'm very stressed out. I, I feel like, you know, if I make a mistake, this is all. And he said, Brother, Pastor, he said, it's, it, the outcome is not dependent on you. He goes, obviously, you're leading the church through this. I think it was our capital campaign back in the day, 2017. And he said, you know, release that to the Lord. The outcome is dependent on the Holy Spirit and how he moves on the heart of the people. And so I, I just remember in those moments, I was like, it's true. I have to lead our people to a place, but at the end, I can't force anyone. You can lead the horse to the water, the saying goes, but you can't force the horse to drink the water. Uh, and so when we come to build me up, it, it's to say, yes, we're growing, we're maturing. Remember, it's from milk to meat that he desires to move us towards. But then As we do the work, the outcomes, though, we have to trust Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's very important. And so um, no matter how strong you are, no matter how rich you are, how smart you are, how handsome or beautiful you are, or even who your daddy is, your earthly daddy, by the way, don't be fooled. You will be built up, but you can't make it on your own strength. And so that's the condition. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says this. It's not by power. It's not by might. But by my spirit. Says who? The Lord. So clear indication that, you know, I've heard it said we got to work like everything depends on us. But pray like everything depends on God. And in the same way, I say, Holy Spirit, yes, I've prepared my message. I have my notes. I have my Bible ready to go. But at the end, would you direct the words that come out of my mouth every time I have the privilege and honor to preach? 
Every time I'm ready to meet with someone and I know that they're maybe going through a difficult situation, my mind is finite. God, infinite. And he's given us as believers the ability to tap into what in otherwise we would be lacking. And God gives us words. Anyone ever had a conversation where you began to minister to someone and at the end of it you walked away and you go, I didn't even know all that was in me. Right? The Holy Spirit quickens what you've already deposited. That's why I say read the Word of God. Read the Word of God because you never know. There are verses that I'm like, I don't even know where that's found, but it's in there. And I'll be like, Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing that to, to memory, to recollect it, and then to speak it. And this is what the Holy Spirit begins to do. But we need to recognize it is not by power, nor by might, but by His Spirit. The worst thing we could do, and this kind of touches back on the message I preached on the anointing, the worst thing we could do is, you know, I practice the music. If I'm on the worship team, I practice. I get all the notes, you know, I get everything. I, I'm, I stay on click, and I come, and I just play. And I just play. I open my Bible, I write all my notes, I get a three-part outline, but all I do is I'm a good communicator, but I'm not preaching led by the Holy Spirit under His anointing. We have to be careful that we're teaching the kids and we prepare the crafts and we get all the yarn and pipe cleaners and games and we get the video clip ready that we're going to show at the end of class, but then we don't pray into what we're about to do. Then... This just becomes performance. This just becomes a speech. And then when we say, taste and see that the Lord is good, people will say, well, you know, I'm actually going to stick with what I've been tasting of during the week because it still seems a little better. Obviously, I have to prepare. Obviously, we get things ready in the house of the Lord for the kids, for every ministry. But we have to be anointed for what we're doing because it's the anointing that takes it from ordinary to extraordinary and from natural to supernatural. And that's where there's a letting go in one sense of, you know, even with my notes, you've heard me say it. I'm, I'm like, I'm off my notes right now, but I'm just going to keep going because I'm yielding myself to the Holy Spirit. Don't confuse that for Pastor John's just winging it. It sounds like he's unprepared. I can't go to bed unless I have my notes here. That's just how I'm wired. But God's been saying, okay, you have it. Get the word here for Sunday so that you could step away here and, and you can preach the word to my people because you've already had it deposited in your heart. And so then there's the letting go part of, okay, God, in the natural, I have my order, I have my notes and I know what the word is that you've given me, but now, however you need it to come out, I yield. And I, there's that letting go. So there's a threshold that you need to cross from your preparation to where you're being led by the Spirit of Almighty God. Because I remember, if, I, if someone at work, when I was not in ministry full-time, I was working at FedEx as a courier. They knew me as, oh, he's the man of the cloth. They knew I did Bible school and all of that. But I was in transition. I was dating Priscilla. She was here in Toronto, but I was in Montreal. So I was helping out at my home church, 
but I was doing a lot of traveling, but I had to work, right, men? We got to save up, got to buy a ring. So I was like, I got to work. And so I was a courier at FedEx. But they, you know, when I, when I missed a week, because I had vacation, they were looking for me. And they said, Lorne, Lorne, his mom died. And I wasn't ready for this. It's not like I prepared. Okay, Lorne, on Monday, he's going to look for me. Lorne was in, an interesting guy. He grew up in church, but he was the one who swore the most at FedEx. And he's a big guy and, you know, very loud. And, but there were insecurities. And how many of you know sometimes we hide those insecurities by, you know, being loud, being funny, wanting to be liked? And Lauren's mom had passed away and they knew my story of when my mom died when I was 23. Because I, I shared it sometimes. If people would ask, hey, tell me a bit about yourself. There was an opportunity. Guess what? Well, I was away for that week. Lauren's mom died. And... In his words, he said the hospital made a mistake in an operation on his mom. And he was so bitter and so angry at God and at the doctors, at the people, at the hospital. And, and he was like looking for me, not because he was upset at God and he knew as a man of the cloth. He said, I, I needed to talk to you last week when you were not here because I knew your mom died and, he, and she got hit by another driver. And how did you not want to kill the guy? How did you make it through the, I didn't have like a, well, let me, you know, I've been praying all night about this conversation. So let, let me just get back to the three main points that I wrote down. I didn't have the opportunity. It was, wow, okay. And in my head, I'm saying, okay, Holy Spirit, now. Like, give me the words, give me the right response, because this guy is going to hang on to every word I say. And I just said, yeah, it's, it, you know, the natural response is to be angry and want to get vengeance and all of that. But I said, you can't change the outcome. What you can do, though, is bring those burdens to the Lord. You know, I just began to things that he maybe heard growing up in church that were not at the forefront of his mind. But I wasn't ready for it. That's the whole point. It's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And as the church... I really feel for this hour that we need to really lean and rely on the Holy Spirit. You know, when I hurt my back, I have a lower back disc problem. Some of you remember, you've seen me laying on my couch in my office when we had a meeting even. And, but I need help to get up. Now that my son's like almost 10, you know, I say, Josiah, come here. And I'm like leaning on his shoulder. He's like, Dad, Dad, right? We need to lean on Holy Spirit. In certain circumstances, you might have a limp. You might feel like, I can't get through this. Lean. Lean on the Holy Spirit. The church in the book of Acts, the church in Acts chapter 2 was birthed. Listen to this. When there were 120 people waiting for the promise of the Father, and in their waiting, they were praying. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, and then I'm going to qualify it by going to Scripture. There's nothing that can stop an empowered church. There's nothing that can stop an empowered church. Again, if Jesus said no power in hell will stop the church, I'm building it then we have to understand how that's done and how that's possible. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2. And would you stand for the reading of God's word? Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Underline the word believers because it's important. Verse 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, underline verse 4, everyone present. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that you still desire to baptize believers in the Holy Ghost with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. And Father, I pray today, not by my words, but by your word, you would settle that in the hearts of your people. And baptizer, would you come and baptize your church afresh and anew? Lord, we need your spirit to move in, in our lives so that we can move and, and minister to people and be a witness with power. And God, I thank you that this is still your gift to the church today. And Lord, I pray that you would baptize whosoever is willing to receive it, this special gift in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. There's nothing that can stop an empowered church. The first thing I want you to note in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, this is the birth of the church. If you continue reading, we stopped at verse 4, but continue reading, it goes on and you see 3,000 people were added to the church that day. The next time you see another 2,000 were added and by the thousands, the church got its beginning. And it's amazing that it all started with just 120 people who were faithful to Jesus' words to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. The first thing I want you to note is that it says all the who believers were meeting together in one place. Then verse 4, I asked you to underline it also, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So there are other Christians or people, if you will, who believe that at salvation you receive all of the Holy Spirit and that there's no subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting. Um, and at salvation you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So He does come and live inside of us. You know, as children, I remember being taught, Jesus lives inside my heart, and I would physically picture a heart, and that Jesus would live in this special place. And in many respects, it's very true, although in the picture in my head was not very accurate. But there's the indwelling of the Spirit. That's why we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we've been baptized into the family of God. And the Holy Spirit is now indwelling. 
And so, no, again, in verse 1, they're all believers. So at salvation, we receive the indwelling of the Spirit, and He seals our lives, and we are baptized into the family of God. That word seals is important. And so I want you to look. We have it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 say this. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, listen, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. So the Holy Spirit is the seal and the guarantee. What is the guarantee? That the ownership has changed. When I, when I sold my old Honda Accord, 2002, I had over 420,000 kilometers on it. And I still was able to sell it for $750. But I remember I had to figure out how do I switch the ownership from my name to someone else's name. And I had the registration papers and Service Ontario told me this is what you got to do. You got to sign and then you got to give it. And I did just that. And guess what? Who walked away with the car? Or Because he couldn't drive it. He towed it actually. <laughs> Who towed the car away? Not me the new owner now. In the same way, when you come to Christ, there's a seal that's placed on you to say your ownership has changed. You no longer belong to the father of this earth, which is the devil, by the way, but to your heavenly father. There's a new ownership now. And the Holy Spirit is the proof or the guarantee or the seal that is on you now to, to say whose property you are. I'm a child of the king, and I'm not for sale, devil. I'm a child of the king. And so this is what Ephesians, so this happens at salvation. This happens at salvation. Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins, John the Baptist speaking, and those who turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. Listen to what he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so... When I think about that, I say, God, thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in me. But as we read in Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Spirit, it wasn't because they became new believers. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 2 says they were already all believers. And Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And so they were already believers. So it wasn't the indwelling that the church received or the 120 received in Acts chapter 2. They were already believers, but it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that filling was that they spoke in other tongues. And so I don't know if you've grown up in church and you just, you know, when I was younger and I heard someone give a word in tongues, which is different, by the way. It's one of the 12 gifts you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just for a second, they're very different. Because if there's a word in tongues given in a gathering like this, then the Bible says, well, what good is that? Because no one could understand it. It has to then have the gift of interpretation of tongues. And then we can understand and we're edified. Right? So the gift of tongues is always followed by the gift of the interpretation of tongues. So that used to happen, and it happens here too, 
We make space for that. And when I was young, though, and we would hear that, we would giggle as kids. We would look and be like, oh, that's weird. We didn't understand the fullness. And that's okay. You know, if your kids... Last night, my daughter, Abby, right before bed, Priscilla, I think she asked you the question. She goes, go talk to your father. And it was right before bed as well. And Abby goes, Dad, how do you speak in tongues? And I thought, Lord, this is when the Holy Spirit helped me answer the question. Partly because it's right before bed and I don't want to get into it. But I said, you know what, let me start to just put some of those seeds in. And she's like, I'm like, no, daddy's not making words up. I mean, it sounds maybe like it's like gibberish to us, but it's a heavenly language. And any six-minute podcast people have kids who've listened to six-minute podcasts? No? Yes, classroom teachers, maybe? I don't know. My, my daughter goes, is it like Holiday when she learned the language? Because um, Holiday was a robot, spoiler alert. Um, but she goes, is it like that where, where Holiday just learned? I go, kind of, because you can't study tongues. You can't study the language of heaven. God just gives it to you. And you got to speak what he puts in your mouth. And I said, it's not so I can understand. It's because I'm praying in the spirit. And it confuses the enemy, though. And the enemy has no idea about the heavenly language. So it is a powerful weapon when we pray in this special gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. And so, um, you know, in the modern day church, even Pentecostal, I'll, I'll say this in case you, you're wondering. We're not Pentecostal because it says Weston Road Pentecostal Church in the title. And maybe that's how you found our church and we're glad you did. But listen, we are Pentecostal by experience that we've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and we are not the same again. It's a baptism of fire and empowerment for ministry, to be a witness. This is the whole point. Not by power, not by might, but by my what? Spirit, says the Lord. I don't decide that, says the Lord. And so Acts chapter 2, we're starting to see the beginnings of this, that they receive the promise of the Father. Notice it wasn't Jesus' promise. He just said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And it is a gift to Everyone who what? Believes. Believes. So it's not equivalent to the indwelling of the Spirit, which you receive at salvation. It was to the 120 who were already believers, they received and spoke with this initial physical evidence of tongues. I want to say this as we approach our 60th anniversary next Sunday. I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm so excited for next Sunday because it's, you know, we've been looking back. We've been filming videos, editing, looking at pictures, hearing the stories. And, and it gets me so excited because here's the reality and the truth. There is no way on our own power and on our own might that we could have made it 60 years. Can somebody say amen? It still points to the working of the Holy Spirit in our gathering and in our midst. And I say, Lord, we're just people. And we've, we're, we're just people who've said yes, though. We are people who've made ourselves available for the last 60 years and say, God, not our will, but your will be done. God, it's not our church, it's your church. Jesus, you are the head of the church still 60 years in. 
And churches, I, it's sad, but churches have come and churches have gone. There are churches for sale and it breaks my heart. I could only imagine how much it breaks the Father's heart. But here is a remnant of people, and there is a remnant of people who are faithful to the promise, faithful to the call, and said, God, if you said yes, we're going to say amen, and we're going to continue to be the church that you're asking us to be. You know, as I look back, there were too many opportunities to fail, too many opportunities to get it wrong, but yielded to the working and leading of Holy Spirit, we're still here 60 years in. And I'm here to say, should the Lord tarry, we're still going to continue. We're still going to press on. And I want you to really sense the significance of next weekend. Salt and light, the theme, the emphasis is on the work of the Holy Spirit. So come ready. If you haven't registered, I can't twist your arm. I won't do that. But I'm going to say, don't miss out. You know, as your pastor, there are things that I would um, encourage you to do. And then there are things that I expect you to do. Salt and light, as much as, you know, it's open to whosoever would register. If you're a part of Weston, don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God's going to do. I believe what we're, this message is a precursor to what God wants to do in your life on Friday night and on Sunday uh, and on Saturday. And then Sunday is just the cherry on top. We get to celebrate. And I'm believing it's a prophetic event next Sunday. And I'll tell you why. As we look to Vaughn for the future, we're going to plant a location there as God leads us. He's, he's still giving us the direction and the plan. We're still saying, God, show us what this is going to look like, what it needs to look like. But here's the thing. We're laying our first brick there to the north. We're having a service at the Paramount Event Space in Vaughn as our first opportunity prophetically to lay a brick down for the kingdom to the north from this location. That's the significance of next weekend. Don't miss out if Weston is your home. As your pastor, I'm saying, don't miss out. I don't want you to play catch up on what God is going to do. YouTube, you can, you know, keep track and try to stay up to date on what God's been doing and saying, but it cannot compare to what God wants to do. If you can be in the room, be in the room. Those watching online, if you live close enough that you could make effort and drive, be in the room for salt and light and, and be there Sunday because I know God wants to speak. I know God wants to speak. So there were too many opportunities for us to fail. And that's how I know it's, it's God's work and God's working in us and through us. Because the minute we think we've got this, we've got this wrong. I'm going to say it again. The minute we think we've got this, we've got this wrong. It's independence on the Holy Spirit. We need Him and He makes our ministry effective. And so the promise of the Father is for all believers. And I want to speak for the time that we have about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, the early church placed a very big emphasis on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of Acts, you can't dance around it. They said, you've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you received the baptism? No, we're going to lay our hands and we're going to pray. And then they received it. And this happens throughout the book of Acts as they begin to preach the word of God. So if you have your Bible open, turn to Acts chapter 8. 
And I just want to highlight a few verses, starting at verse 14. And here's what it says. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, just stop for a second, Samaria, if you remember the, the flow of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power to be my disciples, my witnesses, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's kind of the structure that the gospel begins to spread in the book of Acts. So now we're reading about Samaria. Listen to this. When the apostles in Jerusalem, which is the epicenter still, heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Listen to this. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new, what? Believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that's baptized into the family of God. Then, verse 17, Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to stop just for a minute because there are some churches or some Christians that believe that um, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that the gift stopped. Cessation, they're called cessationists. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped at the close of the New Testament. Um, there are other people that also believe, and these are Pentecostals now as well, that say, um, you know, tongues is not the only initial physical evidence. And they say, you know, there's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and they have all these different explanations. I'm not here to argue and debate those kind of things. Um, but when I read this story, look at the next part of the verse. So we just read verse 17. They laid their hands upon these believers. They received the Holy Spirit. But look what it says. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. If it was just gentleness, meekness, kindness, you, you can't really immediately perceive these things. But if they were speaking in tongues, it would be very evident. And I would say, whoa, they laid their hands, they start speaking. There's an evidence of power by them speaking in this new language he goes, oh, I want, I want that. How, how much is for that kind of power? And you don't buy. You can't buy the things of God. They're freely given, but you got to seek the giver. you got to seek the giver. And so, you know, even in Bible school, people would want to debate things like this. And I have zero appetite for debate. So if you, like, I love going in there and say, I understand, okay, that's, that's what you see, here's what I see. And as Pentecostals, I need to give you the Pentecostal distinction. But even among Pentecostal circles today, now they're, they're saying, well, is it the only initial physical evidence, or is there other? I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to say, the essential thing is that there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it's given it's a promise of the Father to all who believe. Do you want it or not? Do you want it or not? I want it. I re I've received it. You know, I told Abby last night, and by the way, if you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're going to make time at the end of, the, we're going to have communion. We're going to do one side, prayer for the sick. One side, prayer for those who want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And if you've never received prayer for it, that's okay. If you've prayed for it a hundred times and still haven't received it, that's okay too. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep asking the Father who gives the gift. I don't give the gift. I just lay my hands and believe that God will give the gift. But as I was telling Abby, um, I said, you know, Daddy wasn't young when I received it. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Pastor DiStalla was my pastor, prayed for me. I, I sought the gift for many, many, many years. And I went to Bible school. Some of you know my story about this. And I, was see, I heard all these people praying in tongues. We would brush our teeth in the dorm room communal bathroom. And I'd hear people praying in tongues in the shower. And I'm like, God, really? Really? These people receive it and they freely pray to you in tongues in their heavenly language. And then here I am seeking and I still haven't received it. And God simply said to me, stop looking around at all these other people and look up. Literally. Almost like a horse with blinders. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. I've made it a, a comparison game. And he said, just look up because I've got my measure that I want to give you. And I remember it was my second semester of Bible college. It was the most boring sermon I've ever heard in my life. But I paid attention as best as I could. So I didn't check out mentally or spiritually. I, I always try to lean into God's word because I can always glean when I lean. And, and then after this... They said, but this man, this missionary, he's used in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When he lays his hands on people, for one reason or another, God uses him and people are filled. When I heard that, I jumped out of my seat and I was the first one down at the altar call. Among 300 Bible school students, he laid his hand and I began to just feel my, my lips quiver. And I just said, God, I give you control. I was praying in English because I, I, I want to keep the engine running. I don't want to just stand there and go, right? So I just said, I'm going to pray in the language I know, but God, fill, fill my mouth. And as he laid his hand, I, don't need, I didn't even hear what he said, but my, my words just changed from English to a language I never understood. And so I turned and I said, I didn't explain all that to Abby, but I said, Abby, daddy was like almost 20, I think I was 20 years old when I received the baptism. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church prayed and, and felt the Holy Spirit at times, but it took that long. So I said, but here's the beautiful thing. I said, you're young. Now, I wish I could say that I laid my hands on her right then and there, and she was filled. And maybe I was wrong, but I was like, Abby, it's really late, and you got to get in bed now. And, and if it's not tonight, it could happen tomorrow. There's no junior Holy Spirit. So parents, I was 20, but let's be praying. You know, when I picked up the phone as a 20-year-old and I called my mom and I said, Mom, Dad, guess what? I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they began to, to weep on the phone and said, Jonathan, we've been praying for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And they were overjoyed. Same thing with my sister Stephanie and her husband Mike. And there are stories right here in our congregation of people who've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. With It was like an overflow that they couldn't shut the tap off. And this is the power that comes upon our lives. But hear me, it's not for me. It's to be a witness. So build me up last week. But in dependence on the Spirit, now that I'm built up and I'm a living stone for Him, for Jesus, I got to go. 
and I got to go make a difference in my world. You see, in Acts, this was the whole point. Jesus said, you need the, the Holy Spirit, and you need this power because you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth and be my witnesses. And friend, the mission is still the same today. It hasn't changed, and therefore we need the power of His Spirit. We need to be empowered. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's how I want to wrap this up, because each and every one of us have a choice. I'm going to ask the whole worship team if you would come back. We're going to lead into a time of communion in a moment. Please don't let them coming to the stage be a distraction to you. Stay right here. But here's a choice we all have. We all have. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read to you five verses. So beginning at verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Again, so be careful how you live. Verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So if you need some motivation, the days are evil, and we need to be careful. We're not like the world. We're not doing the things that the world is doing, that we are set apart. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How many of you know God wants you to do something? He's got something special set aside for you that I can't do, but that only you can do because He's calling you. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I just want to say one little quick story about that. And then I'm going to finish reading this passage of Scripture. When I was in Bible school, it was my fourth year, I toured in the summer with the worship team. But the thing is, in the meantime, um, if we could just lower that in the house just a little bit, that would be awesome. Um, so we toured, and... But I was home for about six weeks and I had to work because I needed some extra money. And of all things, my dad wanted me to do this and I should have listened in hindsight. But I did telemarketing. Worst job. But I faithfully showed up, had my Starbucks because I needed a lot of pep in the early morning to be on the phone all day. By the way, if you are a telemarketer, I'm not saying you have the worst job. I had the worst job. I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. But I decided this, so I said, I'm going to ride this out for the six weeks that I'm in Montreal. Home, and then we're going to go on tour and, uh, and lead worship at camps and stuff. And I remember during our training, we had a lunch break, and there was these two ladies, my age, young girls, I should say, and, and they were talking, eating their lunch, and, yeah, what club do you go to? And she's like, I go to the Vatican. I was like, how do we come up with these names for clubs? And they're just talking, and oh, I was so drunk on Friday night, and, and it's just us three, so I'm like preparing myself, okay, they're probably going to ask me what I did on the weekend. So they're like, so what clubs do you go to, and what did you do on the weekend? I was like, actually, I've never been to a club in my entire life. And the fact that you get drunk, I said, um, I just think it's really dumb that you would put yourself in a state where you cannot make wise decisions and you don't even know the outcome of your behavior and what you've said, what you're doing, who you're with, and you barely remember what you've done. I said, I don't live like that. And I said, so you asked me what I do on the weekend. I was like, I went to church 
Friday night I preached at the youth group and on Sunday I played drums at the church and I said that's what I did and here we are Monday morning and I said uh, you know I'm training to be a minister I'm in Bible school I'm just here for a few more weeks and can I say their jaw dropped at first and then they looked at me and they said actually that makes a lot of sense <laughs> that you don't you, you don't get drunk because you want to stay in control of your actions and your behavior and so the Bible is saying in Ephesians 5 verse 17 don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do verse 18 don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life don't be drunk with wine is drinking a little wine sinful no is being drunk with wine a sin yes don't be drunk with wine it's there in scripture it will ruin your life instead so don't do this is not enough here here's what scripture saying don't do this and instead of this be filled with the holy spirit and if you look in the greek be filled is actually be being filled with the holy spirit it's not a one-time deal where I prayed in tongues when I was 17 years old in youth group at an altar call and then I haven't done it since. It's be being filled continually. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. That means, you know why that's there? It's because we leak. We, there are holes in our buckets and we need to come back to the source and say, fill me up again with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me that I might be on fire, God, for you. Don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled continually with the Spirit. And Jude 20, 21, there's no chapter in Jude, it's just one chapter. So it's Jude 20 and 21. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Build yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, there have been people who if I've prayed, you know, like at the end of worship and I prayed in tongues in the microphone, people said, well, Pastor John, you shouldn't do that because it's, it's not edifying. And I was like, I'm not giving a word in tongues. I'm praying in tongues. There's a difference. There's a difference. So listen, we don't want to be critical Christians. There is order in the gifts, 100%. Whose responsibility is that? Mine. As, as your pastor leading the service, there's order in the gifts, okay? And, and I've preached on this, I think it was last year around this time. It's on YouTube. There's a whole series on the gifts of the Spirit. You can, you can watch that. But as a family, there's nothing wrong as a church gathering saying, hey, if you've received the gift of the Spirit, let's pray in that language. Because how many of you know it shifts atmospheres? It shifts atmospheres. And so... Man, when, when, I, when I get off the phone from a very serious call where there's like devastating news, do you know what my response is?
pray in the Holy Ghost. When the night I got home and I realized my parents' car is not here, and my grandmother said, Jonathan, your parents have been in a car accident. We have to go to the hospital and see them. And I didn't know what I was about to walk into. You know what I did? There was a 20-minute window because there was a car coming to pick us up. I grabbed my Bible and I began to pace back and forth and just pray in tongues in my room because it wasn't, I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what I was going to walk into. But I just felt the peace and I just felt, God, you're in control. And I just began to pray began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I, I, I'm walking us through this, especially if Weston is your home church. This is a safe space for the gifts. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, after we partake of communion together, we're going to have a moment where we're going to lay our hands on you, just like they did in the book of Acts, and we're going to pray. And listen, there's no formula. There's no prescription. Like, you, I got to leave my hand for five seconds and you got to say these magical words and boom, you'll get the gift of the promise of his spirit. No, I'm not the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer and he's the one who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty. And I think as we come around this 60 year milestone, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit cannot and will not ever die that we need His Holy Spirit to stay effective. He's not out of date or weird. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and He is important, and He is not weird. That's why we lean on Him, and we need the ministry of the Spirit. And so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet, because before we get to that, there's something else that's important that we're going to remember today. We're going to remember the cross. We're going to remember what Jesus has done. So if you've received the elements when you walked in, grab them. If you missed them, th does anyone not have elements that you want to participate today? Okay, I think everyone's received it. But as we come around this moment, you know, if, if you follow the news at all, you know, Queen Elizabeth passed away. There's a great... Um, procession, funeral procession. Lots of people were coming to London to pay their respects. And I should say England. And like I saw some of the pictures, the videos. It was a big deal for a lot of people. But why were they coming? They were coming to remember and to pay homage to the Queen for her years of service, perhaps. Maybe everyone had a different reason for wanting to show up. But every time we gather and we take time, the Bible says, do this as often as you do it. And so it's not like, oh, I took communion once. As often as you do this, we do it in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And so it's, it's a great moment for us, for believers. So you, who, who may participate at the table of the Lord? It's for believers first. If you're not a believer today, you know, we're, we're not saying shame on you and no. We'll give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus as well today. But this in particular is not something we just show up to lightly. It's also prophetic in that we will be at the table, at the banqueting table, when we're done here on earth. So there's a future hope and expectation. 
and we look ahead, but we also look back and we remember what Jesus has done for us. And by, you know, the bread symbolic of his body that was broken for you and for me. And then with the shedding of blood, the Bible says there's no remission or forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, his body was broken and he bled out and died for you and for me to satisfy the law, the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And so if we could just prepare, peel off this first part. And this wafer is just symbolic. It's a symbol in our hand as we take time to remember. This is the love of God. And maybe some of you tangibly, it's like taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at this. Remember. Remember what he's done. The Bible says on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We remember today, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So let's drink together today. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just take a moment to thank him. Take a moment to remember the sacrifice. Remember the price he paid for you and for me. We thank you, God. Come on, lift up your voices, church. We thank you for provision today. We thank you, God, that all I have needed, you've provided. Great is your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your love poured out for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Make your presence known among your people today, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to open the altars in a minute. But before I do that, you're here and you're within the sound of my voice or you're watching online, still within the sound of my voice. You've never given your life to Christ. What I mean by that is you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says you believe in your heart as well. You will be saved. If there's never a day where you remember inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life, then I want to lead you in this prayer. And on the count of three, I'll just ask you to lift your hand to know who I'm praying with today. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. On the count of three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand at the back. Amen. I see that hand here. Anyone else today in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. 
then I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And I ask that you would repeat this after me, inviting Jesus to be Lord. It's not a formula, but we're going to confess it with our mouth. So would you pray this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you today. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you've raised him from the dead. And so I thank you for transforming my life today. From the inside out, I'm never the same again. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God thanks today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Real quick, for those that lifted up their hand to receive Christ, maybe you didn't lift up your hand, but you prayed that prayer from the bottom of your heart. You meant it. If it was the first time or you're recommitting your life to Christ, both are great. Would you grab a blue Connect card and just fill it out? Um, we, we want to follow up with you. It's very important. We also want to send you a gift in your inbox. Um, and so before you leave today, hand that in at guest services. Very important. Number two, if you don't have a home church, it's very important. Get plugged into a church. Toronto, if you live close, come. We love you. We want to receive you with open arms. And, um, and we're so grateful for that. Right now, if you're watching, by the way, online, I can't forget. If you're watching online, there's a digital connect card. Just the same. Fill it out. We will connect and follow up with you after service today. And we're so grateful for what God is doing. So, are you ready, church? Yeah. We're going to pray. I've asked the team to come because I want you to lead us in that, that song, Holy Spirit. And as you minister in song, Holy Spirit's going to minister here. And so I'm going to ask pastors on staff if you would come. Uh, if we have deacons who are uh, available as well for prayer. On this side, if you need healing in your physical body or you want to stand on behalf of someone you know who needs healing, you come on this side. I want to differentiate so that we know what we're praying for as opposed to all mixed into one. And if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, in light of today's message, I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're that person who, yeah, it's been 30 years, but I received the baptism. Today, I believe He wants to touch you and fill you afresh because it's a gift that you need every day of your life. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you come here and we're going to lay our hands on you and you just spend time in the presence of God. It, it did, for me, it was an instant here with the guest speaker who prayed for me in Bible school. But then I knelt down at the altar and I still sought the Lord because he's the giver. And I just said, Lord, in full, I want the full measure of your spirit today. And he gave it to me. God is faithful. Today, we're not seeking what's in God's hand. We seek the giver, not the gift. Because the giver is going to give you what's in his hand. In Jesus' name. And also I'll say this, especially for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't come up here and be silent. Lift your hands, posture your heart to receive, and then begin to open your mouth and just ask. Begin to pray in the language you know. 
And I believe him that he's going to give you a language you don't know. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you in this moment for those who are going to step out of their seats. God, this is a holy moment, a time set apart for you to move Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come with power, come with might, and Lord, would you come and baptize your church afresh and anew, that we might be filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost, to then go and be a bold witness to whosoever you would bring in our path. We love you, God, and we thank you for those who need to be dismissed. Lord, we bless them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need to go, leave quickly and quietly. If you're going to stay in your seat, you make this a sanctuary of prayer. But these altars are open now. You come and you receive from heaven today. There's an open heaven. There's an open heaven in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.